blank sheet of white paper or a canvas or, or a slab of stone. I don't know if there's any stone like sculptors here. Um, or, or wood sculpting or um, you look at a yard, right, that's just grass and dirt and gravel and you can dream and see the beauty that isn't there yet. If that's you, come to my house. I'd love for you to work on my yard. Um, needs lots of work. Um, right? But, but Art or beauty or or creating is something that a lot of us, even if we're not good at it, we really enjoy it. We appreciate it. And uh, is there any Lego fans out there? Like, doesn't mean that you still play with them. You could be a closet Lego player. That's okay. Um, But I loved Legos growing up. I loved trying to create things. I only kept my sets together for so long until, like, I would explode my X-Wing against the wall and then make my own, like, new thing out of it. But um, I looked up some, like, awesome Lego creations. So I think the first slide has one. Look at that! That is Lego, right? I think it's, I think it's four feet tall. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like this futuristic castle kind of thing. And in all of those are tiny individual little pieces. There were some crazy things I saw as I was looking it up, but somebody took the time, or somebody's, to put every last little piece. Me and my friend uh, made the Millennium Falcon when it first came out back in the day, and our fingers hurt, like, from trying to snap those pieces together. I can't even imagine, like, the carpal tunnel that this person had, like, after they put this together. But it's just, it's, it's so, it's um, so detail-oriented. Every piece matters. Let's go to the next one, though. So that's made out of wood. That was one block of wood, and this guy saw this block of wood, and he didn't see a block of wood. He actually saw a ship. And what's so crazy about that is that may look like string or rope that's attaching that together. That is wood still. Little tiny thin strips of wood. He had to be so gentle and careful and, and, uh, and just look at all the little details as he carved and got rid of the parts of the ship that were just wood to him and weren't a part of his masterpiece. Okay, the next one. So that's sand. That's like a sand dune, right? Isn't that crazy? So somebody saw this side, like this wall, this sand dune, and they didn't see that. They saw this like Inception Doctor Strange thing going on here, right? And they could just see beauty where beauty didn't exist. And then they put their hands to it, and it came to life. The last thing uh, I want to show you guys, any uh, America's Got Talent fans in the room? Okay, so I don't know if this guy was like a recent season. Um, I think it was. But what this guy does is he takes sand as well, and he creates, and he just keeps on creating. So once that's good to go, Garrett, go ahead and roll that for us. And there is sound, yeah. So that's like projecting what he's doing on the screen.
All right, thanks, Garrett. So, you may be weirded out, like, why just an eye? So those were actually all endangered animals that um, he was going through the list, and then it's like the antithesis of what he's going through, like the tear of like, oh, we're all endangered, right? I, I had to look that up. I didn't get that. But amazing what this guy can do with his hands and sand, right? Like that was two minutes that he did that, two minutes flat that he accomplished that in. And if you gave me some sand in two minutes, it would probably just still be in my hands because I wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, but this guy could just see like not just one thing, but he could see creation after creation after creation as he's creating. He could see the beauty that existed there in just sand. And the story that we're diving into, it's the second part uh, of our series that we just started last week. It's called The Story of God. And we're going to look at a story, too, where God, he just has some sand or he has some dust, and he sees this masterpiece that he wants to breathe into existence. He wants to bring beauty where beauty didn't exist. He wants to form something that is excellent. And that's what we're going to dive into. So um, if you weren't here last week, um, that's totally fine. And if you were here and don't remember because you're high school and middle school students and it's the end of the year because who's really remembering anything at this point except for when school's out. Um, I thought maybe we could take a second and we could recap together um, what, what we talked about last week. So get the, get the wheels turning because you guys are the experts, right? You were in the room. Um, so does anybody remember? You don't have to do the whole thing. Just pieces from the story that we talked through last week to help our new people, to help us all remember as well. What did we talk about last week? Brandon, yeah. Right. Totally. Fallen angel, Lucifer, rebellion, other angels to follow. Totally. Huge part of the story. What else did we cover? That was great. You guys were all there, most of you. I know you know. You're just nervous to raise your hand. If you sweated a little bit today, it's okay. You won't, like, knock out the person next to you. Any other thoughts? Anything? Yeah, Nathan. Yeah, that Lucifer was a beautiful angel, right? He wasn't just this, like, red little dude with horns or anything like that. Yeah, totally. Anything else? Who's it? Yeah, Amy. Yes. Yes. We talked about God being holy, that he's the only being that is good, right, and perfect all the time. So it really set up, it was kind of like, uh, remember we talked about it being like a pilot TV show, the pilot episode, and it kind of sets the stage of where the series is going to go from here on out. And so there's two main characters at the start of this story, right? There was God, and then there were angels, um, but some of them decided to rebel. And so we ended last week talking about, so far what we've seen in the story is there's two responses to God. Some of the angels worshipped him and declared that he was holy, good, right, and perfect all the time. But some of the angels rebelled as well. And, and their rebellion was out of one of them, Lucifer, saying, I want my throne to be higher than God's. I don't want to worship God. I want to be worshipped. So responses to God are either worship or rebellion. So I'm going to tell our second part of the story um, and just like last week, um, I want you to visualize like you're there, right? Whether that's closing your eyes or, um, or, or, or whatever you need to do to really 
to really picture yourself being there and a part of the story. Do that. But at the same time, um, try to hang on to if there's any themes or any things that jump out to you, or if there's any part of the story that you feel like you haven't heard before, hang on to those things. Remember them, because we're going to talk about them in just a second. All right. So this second part of our story is called creation. Before anything existed, there was an amazing and mysterious being called God. While God was creating the earth, angels watched with amazement, singing together and shouting for joy. God created these beautiful angels to worship him, but some of these angels rebelled against God and his ways. And a reminder that any rebellion against God is called sin. God doesn't allow sin to remain in his presence, so he sent the rebellious angels into the darkness on the earth to face final punishment later. Then God took the earth, which was dark and formless, and prepared it as a place for life. God's spirit moved over the surface of the earth as he made light, separating it from the darkness. He divided the oceans and the sky. He gathered the water so dry land would appear. He grew plants, flowers, and trees, all with seeds in them so they could reproduce. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars, then set the days and seasons into motion. He filled the seas with fish, the sky with birds, and the earth with all kinds of wild animals. God put great care and creativity into all of his creation. God looked at this and said, this is really good. After he had prepared the earth, God decided he would create another being, one who was lower than the angels. God said, we will make humans in our image to be like us. We will make humans in our image to be like us. We'll put them in charge of the earth, the plants, and all the animals that live on it. So God took dirt from the earth and formed the first human. Then God breathed his own breath into him, giving him life. This first human would be called Adam. God placed Adam in a beautiful garden where he provided everything he needed. In this garden, God planted all kinds of trees that produced delicious fruit, so Adam would always have plenty to eat. God gave Adam the responsibility to take care of this garden and of all the creatures that live there. God even brought all the animals right to Adam so he could be the one that gave them names. In the middle of the garden, there were two special trees. A tree of life and a tree that could give knowledge of good and evil. God told Adam to enjoy the fruit from any tree in the garden except for one. God warned him, if you eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a partner who will help him. So God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. While Adam was asleep, God removed one of his ribs and then closed up his side where it was taken from. God used Adam's rib to form the first woman. When God brought her to Adam, Adam shouted, At last! Right? Adam called his new companion Eve, which means giver of life. So God created both the man and the woman to be like him, created in God's own image. God blessed Adam and Eve with the ability to continue his creation by having children. 
God joined them in a close relationship as husband and wife where they devoted themselves to each other. And although Adam and Eve were naked, they felt no shame. God would also come and spend time with the humans, walking with them in the cool of the day. They lived under God's care and protection, a life that was full and complete. As God looked over all his creation, he thought, this is excellent in every way. After creating all of this, God rested and set aside a day of rest for each week for all his creation. Take a second with a person or a couple people around you and just talk about something that stood out to you in the story. It was a long one, right? There was a lot going on there, but something that just stood out to you in this story, maybe you've heard it before, um, or a theme that seemed to, to be reoccurring. Ready, go, and then we'll come back together. That's true. Yes. I didn't list all the things. You're right. No, not at all. I just didn't list all of them. I'm one of them. <laughs> I feel that too. Maybe like 30 seconds and then come back together. Or 10 seconds. <laughs> All right, so what are some of the things that just jumped out to you in the story that either the wording of it or anything like that? Yeah, Elliot, everybody listen up. Yeah, they weren't. Can you remember the last time you were in public and you weren't ashamed that you were naked? I can't, right? <laughs> Not that I do that much. But yeah, uh, Caitlin. His rib being taken out to form a woman, right? There, God used... Uh, dust for the man and a rib from the man to form a woman. He took something that already existed that it's kind of like, what good is that? Unless you really enjoy ribs. But he brought beauty out of it. Yeah, Dylan, in the back. Huh, yeah. Right. When Adam's name actually means um, like mankind or humanity, right? Um, and so Eve's, Eve's name is partially, and it makes sense you don't know this, but ladies know this, the babies come from the lady. And so she gets to be the giver of life. And us, us dudes, we, uh, we don't partake in that much. But that's for health class, so we'll stay there. All right, last one, Elliot again. Everyone listen up. Right. That's a great question. You should bring that up in your discussion group. Ben would love to answer that for you. <laughs> um, sorry, we got we to gotta keep going. You can, you can ask me later, though. Totally. Um, 
So right, yeah, in this story, we see, we see God creating. Um, we see him taking a formless earth, an earth, earth that didn't have structure. He took nothing and he brought it into existence. Like at the start of Genesis 1, even as you just have it open there and look over it, you see all the different things that God brings into existence, the structure, the order, the beauty that he brings about. It says that he separated the light from the dark, that he separated the sky from the waters, the land from the waters. And for us to even think about that, like even just try to conceptualize what that looks like as God was creating, right? Because it makes it sound like, almost like he's like pulling back like the waters, and he's causing the land to come forth, and he's pushing up the sky. And the writer's probably doing this to be like, God is powerful enough that he was able to do this, and he's the only one that could do this as well. And what's so awesome with God creating, there's purpose in every last detail when he creates, right? It's amazing that even with the plants, he made it possible so that plants could reproduce, that as they die, they spill seed so that it could go back into the ground so that there could be new life once more. And so each time, um, open up, you got Genesis open up? Um, each time, after God creates something, he says something about his creation at the very end. So you'll probably see it in verse, um, there's a section that's like verse 3, verse 6, verse 9. What word towards the end of each section does God use to describe what he created? Can you see it over and over again? Nels. Good. God looks at what he's created each time it comes into existence and he says, that's good. Uh, the Hebrew word actually is tov, right? It's spelled T-O-W-B, which um, it's actually, it sounds like T-O-V-E, tov. Everyone say, say that with me? Tov, right? So God looks what, over what he's created, and then he places value on it, too. He says, this is good. There's no mistakes. There's nothing wrong with this, because with God, he doesn't make mistakes, right? There, there aren't fractures. There aren't breaks. There, there isn't a fall to, um, to, to his creation in the sense of when he created it and the way that he created it. There's no downside to it. It's good. But God keeps creating, and then there's one thing that kind of stands out from the rest of creation. Look at Genesis 1, how each time he creates something, it says the word and, you see that over and over again at the start of each one of those sections? So it's like, in the begin, beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, and the water, and the land, and the animals. And, and it's just listing all the things that God created. Well, look at verse 26. What word is there? Then. And when a word like then comes after a succession of ands, it usually indicates what's coming next is going to be a little different than what came before. That what's coming next should, should kind of spark our interest of like, oh, then, what did you do next, God? What's coming? So let's read it. I think it's up on the screen, too. So it says this in Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There's two big things that should stand out to us here. One of the biggest is this then, that whatever's coming next is a big deal. But God creates people, and he does it different than anything else. Because when God creates people, he puts his own image on people. He's, he says for people, you're going to reflect who I am, what I'm about in the world, and to each other. Because the rest of creation, right, we could go outside and, and we could go to the gorge and we could see the beauty, or we could go to Mount Hood um, and we could see the beauty and be like, gosh, God, this is amazing. But those display God's, God's power, God's majesty, but people display God's very image. Crazy that God would do that with people. And then after this, um, it says in chapter 2, in the process, right, uh, someone talked about how, how God took dirt to make Adam. And it's like, it says almost like he formed him, like it was clay almost, right? And it's hard for us to picture that. But Adam was just a form then. He was just like clay. And then God does something next. He breathes his own breath into Adam, filling his lungs, giving him life. The picture of it for me is like CPR. Anybody CPR certified here, right? And so you have to do, um, well, at least when I did it, maybe they got rid of this. Probably not. Mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, right? So somebody needs air. Somebody doesn't have breath in their lungs. What you have to do is you have to get on your hands and knees and you have to share your breath. You have to share your life to fill their lungs again. And there's like a closeness, right? Mouth to mouth is pretty stinking close when that's going on. There's a closeness that's happening between those two people, but it's in order for them to receive life so that they're not dead. And God is showing us, whether he was like right up in Adam's face or not, I don't know, but I think it's written here so that we would see God is a God that wants to not just be like, catch my breath, right? No, but he's a God that's close, that shares his life with us, shared his very life with Adam so that he might live as well. After this, God says, not just this is good, this is very good. This is very tov. This is excellent. This is pleasing. This is very good. So um, do you guys ever wonder, I think I, I struggled with this a lot in middle school, high school, even as an adult, um, where you kind of stand with people rel relationship-wise, not just dating relationships, but like with friends, like am I their best friend? Like do they want to hang out with me? Do they just hit me up like last, almost like the last resort? Or even with your parents sometimes, you might feel like, gosh, like am I on my parents' good side? Or am I on my parents' bad side? Or, or with a teacher or um, with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or somebody that you like? Do they like me back? So I was um, hit with this in a big way, sophomore year, uh, wondering where I stood with someone because homecoming was coming around. And uh, there was this girl, we'll call her Sally. Sally was in my English class and she sat next to me and um, I was really stoked about Sally. And I thought Sally liked me. I was not sure though. Um, and I really wanted to ask Sally to homecoming. And so the thing was, I wasn't sure. I didn't know where I stood with Sally, and I didn't know if she'd say yes. So I was like, man, we got to seal the deal here. So however you ask her, Matt, 
Like, it's got to be pretty good. So that there's no way she could say no. So it was almost like one of those prom promposal kind of things, but for homecoming. So uh, I took my buddy Daniel, poor guy, to build a bear. Yes. Anybody ever gone to build a bear before? Oh, yeah. It's a scary place. Um, so they have like, if you've never gone, let me take you through the horror. So there's like all these like skins of bears, right, that they've just got hanging that are empty without fluff. And you have to choose one of this like, just like, I don't know, it, 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 you just feel bad for the guy. Like you're supposed to be cuddly. So you choose a bear and then they give you this like heart, right? They give you the little heart that you're going to put in your bear and then they go fluff your bear and fill it with fluff. Try not to overfluff it. And the best part of it all is they have you do a heart ceremony. So they, they give you the heart and then I'm standing there with a bunch of four-year-olds that are doing this too as I'm 16. And so it's like, I love my bear. I love my, I, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but they do this like chanting and dancing and all this stuff. I thought I got caught up in some sort of cult. It was scary. Um, don't go to build a bear. I, I barely got out alive. But uh, So anyways, after the horror happened, um, then I get this little tuxedo. I put him on my bear. Um, and he's got like little roses in his hand and stuff like that. And then I got one of like the voice recorder things. So then I recorded my voice asking Sally to go to homecoming with me. So I was like, Sally, will you go to homecoming? Right? Like <laughs> puberty was a long way off still. Uh, so I did that <laughs> in the bathroom at Build-A-Bear with my high school buddy in there as well. So people would like come into the bathroom and it sounds like I'm asking someone to homecoming in the bathroom. It was a great day for Matt. Um, so come back out, put the, put the little voice recorder thing in there, and then um, talk to her locker partner, get the bear in the locker um, with like her favorite, I think they were like yellow roses or something like that. And, um, and I was like, this will seal the deal so I know where I stand with Sally. And long story short, we didn't end up going together, but it was because she was out of town. Um, and yeah, come on, Sally. Um, but, right? We can get pretty concerned with where we stand with people. And I don't know about you, but something that throughout my life that I worried about is, where am I at with you, God? Like, where do I stand with you? Like, do you care about me? Do you see me? Do you know me? Do you love me? Do you know what, what I care about? Do you know who I actually am? Like, do you think that I was worth creating? Like, how, do you think that I'm valuable? And I think sometimes we can get caught in some of those same what-ifs with God. Like, where, where do I stand to you? Do I, even, do I even matter to you, God? Especially when life's hard, when our circumstances aren't going the way we want them to. It feels like, God, do you even see? Do you even care? Do you even know that I'm on the same planet that you created? But the beautiful thing about our story here is that Adam and Eve— knew exactly where they were at with God. They knew exactly what he thought about them. Because what's crazy, unlike you and I, we're not going to do questions right now, sorry. Um, unlike you and I, they didn't come in a hospital being birthed, right? They knew who they came from. They knew that this God, out of his goodness, decided to create them, to give them life that they didn't have, and then to share this Garden of Eden with them, even for Adam to be there for a bit by himself. And then all of a sudden, God takes one of his ribs, first surgery ever, ever done, and it was successful, um, and create this woman where he's like, ah, 
last, right? This is good. I'm excited that God meets their needs in every way, time and time again. And what's crazy, too, about this is that he decides to put Adam and Eve in charge of his own creation on earth. Let's look at Genesis um, chapter 1, verse 28. It says this, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. And every tree that has all the fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And then verse 30 goes on to say more things that they'll rule over that he's given to them for them to be in charge of. God takes people and he's like, I'm going to share my creation with you. And not only that, but I'm going to put you in charge of it. I'm going to bring the animals to you, Adam, to name. I'm going to share all of this so that you might know that I'm good and you might know me and where you stand with me and that it's very good. My value on you is that you're very good. And what's awesome too is that they were just totally at peace relationally with God, never wondering, does God care about me? Does God know that I exist? Does God see what I need? Does God love me? They experienced it day in, day out, without a doubt. And they experienced it with each other too, right? It says, it may make some of us blush or giggle, right? But it says they were naked together in the garden, but felt no shame. No shame, no guilt, no needing to cover anything up, no, nothing in the mirror that was like, oh gosh, how much makeup is this going to take to fix before I have to go to school, right? None of that. None of, no, no bedhead that makes them like hop into the shower again or, or anything. It's just like, here I am as I am, and I am in full peace and trust in relationship that I'm fully known, fully valued, and fully loved with God and with people. Can you even imagine what that would be like to walk outside every day heading to school and know all the time that you were going to be fully accepted by everyone you came in contact with? Fully loved, fully valued. There was nothing you ever had to hide from anyone. It'd be crazy. They had peace relationally. But as we look around today, the story doesn't end there, right? We look around, and that's not how life is still going. And there's a clue in this story of what's coming next. Do you remember back earlier, it said, in the middle of the garden, there's two trees. You remember that part of it? The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what the writer's doing here in Genesis 2 is imagine a circle, right? And at the circle, there's this main point right in the, the exact middle, almost like the nucleus of this circle. And, and the nucleus is like everything centers around this. This is the big thing that everything else is pointing towards. And so with this story, everything is centered around these two trees. And whenever we have a set of two, right, two options, it's kind of like either or. Everything's centered around this choice of either the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
And imagine this, imagine like last week that we're ending our episode now, that it's coming to conclusion that for me, I talked about Lost last week. I was a huge Lost fan. And I imagine the episode ending like this. So Adam and Eve are enjoying the garden together, right? They're like jumping off a waterfall or they're eating some of the delicious fruit or naming animals together and whatnot, laying in the shade in the cool of the day as the sun is out and it's just like paradise. But then the camera like pans up and goes above them. And it almost, it does that, that like bird's eye view where then you get a picture of the whole garden. And it's like there's this big circle of all this trees and, and wildlife. And then there's a little bit of a clearing. In the middle of the clearing, you see just these two dots. And then it starts to zoom in and zoom in and zoom in. And it gets closer and you see that it's these two trees. And it zooms in. So this last shot is the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then all of a sudden, there's a little rustling in the branches of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then it cuts to black. And then it's like, what's going to happen next? I thought everything was good for Adam and Eve. Like, why would you end there? And it's like, stay tuned next week. And then 40 commercials you don't care about before they actually show you the preview for the next week, right? But what does this story mean for us? And there's four questions I want us to think about. Because that's what we're doing in this series. We're looking at the story of the Bible, and we're, and we're seeing, okay, what is God doing in this story, and how does my story connect with it? So if you want to go two slides over, I think, Garrett, four questions. The first, how do we get back to Eden relationships? How could we have peace with God relationally? Never having doubt or fear. How could we have that with each other too? Never being ashamed, never having to hide anything. Next question. Do you believe God wants you to participate with him? God asked Adam and Eve to join in with what he was doing in creation, to be over it, to be in it, to subdue it, to take part in it. And I think sometimes for some of us, we're like, how could God ever use me? I'm nothing special, right? I, don't, I barely know anything about the Bible. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm popular at my school, or I don't feel like I have the right words. How would God ever want me to participate with him? Why would he ever want me to participate with him? Next question. Do you long to know where you stand with God? Do you have that aching sense that like, man, something feels off and I don't know why? I want to know how you feel about me, God, what you think about me, how you value me, and why you love me. And the last question is, where do you search to find your value if it isn't in God? What things do you potentially turn to to, to be like, if I only achieve this, then I'll be valued? Or if I only am successful at that, then I'll be valued. And we're going to have time to talk about some of these things in our discussion groups. But a big theme with this story is that God has said in his creation that it was good. And we need to trust our creator in that. We need to trust that when God creates, he doesn't make mistakes. And he definitely didn't do that with any of you in this room. Let me pray, and then we'll go to discussion groups. God, thank you for this group. Thank you uh, for tonight. And God, I, I have no idea if 
what I said was helpful whatsoever. But more than that, Lord, I, I pray that your words to us and, and how you show your character of who you are in this story would just ring all the more true, that you're a God that is powerful, you're a God that's creative, and you're a God who places value on his creation. And Lord, if we wrestle with that question of where do I find my value, would you, would you help us to see how you value us, the value you've placed in us and why you've placed it there? And as we continue in this story, God, would you keep revealing to us how our story connects with yours? Pray that during discussion groups that we wouldn't feel like we have to hide, that we'd feel that we can be real with where we're at with you, where we're at in life, and who we actually are. In your name, amen. All right, middle schoolers, you're going to go to your discussion groups. You'll be back in room five at um, 8.35. 8.35, middle schoolers, back in room five. And then high school, Amy, I think there's a lot of ladies. So it's just Amy flying solo tonight. Um, Olivia and Gypsy aren't here. Um, do, you want, do you want to go for it? All right. We're going to try it. So ladies, you're all going together. Um, Amy is a trooper. Uh, and then guys, you're going to split up. Andrew and Ian aren't here. So Alex, would you mind going with um, the freshman and sophomore guys um, that normally uh, Andrew and Ian are with? So high schoolers, we'll be back in here at 843. Ready, break. <laughs>